right. Good to see you all this morning. Um, so, uh, let's do this to start today. Anything uh, happened in the last two weeks? We didn't meet the week before because Restore Weekend. Anything in the last two weeks that you would just want to say, you know what, God did something in my life, or I saw God at work around me, um, we were praying for something or whatever, would you like to say anything? You should start with you, if you would like to. Yeah. <laughs> just going to go ahead and get it started with, with calling you out right now. Let's do that. So, so I got a job, and that job kind of went a little bit hazy in about two days, and so then I got a different job this last week with, with Humble, and so I'm, that's a huge blessing because we were in Oklahoma two weeks ago looking at right. maybe working. Which was obviously the wrong choice. Which is <laughs> terrible decision that would have been. Got there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're we're super excited as we've kind of shared with you guys over the course of the last couple of months. It's been a, a process that's actually been more peaceful than we thought it would be. Yeah. But at the same time, to get to that place where we know what the next step is is a huge blessing. So, right. good man. Well, we're glad for you. We're pretty stoked. Anything else? Yeah, uh, I mean, got a really similar thing. Like I had a opportunity at work you know present itself and I had all these fears about about uh, kind of agreeing or taking this job and uh, um, I asked our restore group to uh, you know, pray for me and I think a lot of people were because in the day that I was kind of making decision and talking to people a hundred percent of the people that I talked to were like extremely positive and, and, and everything else like that and not till after I had already just decided that other people that I talked to kind of have the same, you know, fears or, you know, uh, things like that. So I felt like God really protected that time of decision making and, and the, you know, just the not putting any doubt in my mind. So, Good. Yeah. Congrats on that, too. Because that's, that's done, right? Like, you accept it and move forward and awesome. Good. Good. Anything else? <clears throat> Restful, okay. the same. It's okay. <laughs> but, uh, we, we came back and we super refreshed for, for the home stretch right, for the last trimester. And, you know, the last last couple weeks of baseball, and um, it's going to be it's gonna nice. a good run. I think. Yeah, I mean, you have a you have a good few weeks. Your team is ranked first in baseball, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're going to have a, a, a little child cub, little person coming to your house. That's awesome. You have you just have vacation. <laughs> Anything else? Okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's turn to Acts two. We're gonna we're gonna finish Acts two today. <clears throat> and last week we kind of proposed this um, this idea of Acts two, and I'll read it, and then I'll kind of talk about what we discussed briefly last week or two weeks ago, and then we'll we'll go into more conversation. It says this in Acts 2.42. says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Um, real quick, the, the beautiful thing there is, is it doesn't say, And awe came upon every soul because many signs and wonders were being done with the apostles. The awe was there at, at other things even than signs and wonders, which I think is pretty beautiful, pretty intriguing about that. The, the fact that the Holy Spirit is moving and now is like 
started to take over people's lives and started to kind of change their outlook on things and change their culture is filling them with wonder and awe. Also, on top of that, there are some signs and some wonders. You know, added bonuses there. And all who believe were together and had all things in common. Again, you want to talk about that real briefly? That sentence there, maybe, what would that mean? And they had all things in common. Kind of talked about that two weeks ago briefly. Anyone remember? Probably doesn't mean that they all shared the same common values and beliefs and thoughts and were the same kind of people, right? It doesn't mean they were a homogenous group of people. It means they counted their things as common things. Their lives were common lives. Their bread was common bread. Their homes were common homes, meaning it was all shared. Their life became a sharing life is kind of that idea, okay, of having all things in common. Because then it says here, and they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So <clears throat> last week we kind of just proposed this idea of a generous culture, right? This this, the thing about this passage, it's all beautiful and intriguing. The most shocking part to me, though, is this idea of sharing to the point of having common things, which, which I think is, is something we can semi-relate to, right? Like this, and this is the most simplistic way. Um, Brian and Aisha even have worked with this act of sharing idea and company that, that basically said, I'm going to simplify it way, way, way too much, and I'm apologizing ahead of time. But like, my lawnmower is not just my lawnmower. I'm saying to anyone, hey, everyone, I have a lawnmower. You should use the lawnmower. It only gets used once, <laughs> in my house it would be, once every year. <laughs> Please, other people use the lawnmower, right? And so it's this idea of every, all of my things are common things. But then we also know, we also know that no matter what we would say about that, there's probably limits to that, right? And this is, this is, an example to me even, someone recently was like, hey, can I borrow a certain tool? And I was like, of course you can. Okay, on that tool, I have a very standard, very usable version, and then I have like a very extremely nice, very professional version of that tool. Which one did I give the person, probably? Professional. Yeah, <laughs> No. <laughs> I did not. But again, it's that Austin, why, why was that, why was the first place you went, yeah, you can use the common one that I could easily afford to replace if you were ridiculous with it and smashed it, right? That's what my brain went to immediately. So we know there's limits to this idea of we have all things in common. We share common things. We know this. And then we talked about even further last week, or two weeks ago, about this idea that they even went to selling the things they have so other people might have something similar or might have a need. And we think about who would, and we, we go to dramatic things, right? And we go to big things. Who would ever think, you know what? Someone needs, you know, blank, whatever it may be. Let's sell our vehicle so that we can give them the money from our vehicle so that they might have the security that we enjoy from the vehicle, right? That is a little bit 
outside of our, that seems, we can argue against that, right? We can argue that that's not a good idea even. Our culture is so different than this that we would have arguments against it that would sound reasonable, right? And that would probably even be reasonable to us. So we went to big things last week and we were, we were talking about, I was just kind of expressing how that just dumbfounds me, this, this culture of this that changed so drastically, so quickly with the Holy Spirit entering their lives. And then kind of we started talking about breaking it down into smaller, not smaller things, but, but more what we see in our life ways. We talked about two things that stood out to me were, were Holly and Karen saying about motherhood being something that we can easily see, the sacrificial giving of oneself and giving of one's needs. Um, and, and talking about time you give people, you mentioned that, about kind of this idea of giving your emotional self to someone so that they might now have this um, need met by you when you're spilling of yourself, this idea. So I wanted to kind of look at that, and I, I wanted us to talk about it in a little more practical terms this week, just from the passage. A few quick things, and then move on from there, but, but I think it's reasonable. Over there, good buddy. <laughs> so, so it says this, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And here's the thing that I, I tried to look at in my own life this last couple weeks and our family, and it's this idea of noticing need. And here's, I think, where, where in our life we can quickly stop this way of culture is that we aren't, we aren't culturally challenged to notice need around us, Right? We're, we're challenged to notice the right or to the socially acceptable need or the need that, that gives you something, right? Like, I notice this great need. I can be a small part of it. Everyone will see that I'm giving to that need, and thus I'm satisfied because I'm also noticed as one who gives to need, right? But this idea of your every day, day to day, noticing need around you is interesting. And it's, and it's I think, very tricky. And I go back to kind of what I prayed earlier this idea of, of Jesus telling people, you have eyes to see, but you can't perceive. You have ears to hear, but you don't understand. Right? This, this idea that you can walk about your day, and we are so caught up in self, and we are, we are so overwhelmed with our own needs of the day, and our own frustrations, or struggles of our day, or our own inadequacies of the day, that our eyes aren't open to need. Real need that can be met by you. Some of it Quite easily. The fact that we might not know what's going on at home with some of our coworkers at all. The fact that we might not know that a coworker drove something different to work or bus to work when they usually drive because something's happened to their car. We might not notice that someone's family has had a, a death in their family. We might not notice those things because number one, we, we don't ask, and number two, we haven't built in that relationship and put in the deposits to get to know those things, right? That we might not even recognize need because we just can't see it. And a lot of us, I know it's easy, it's easy for me to blame, well, well, someone could obviously tell me that they need something, or they, they never asked for a blank, or they never did this. There's, there's probably a reason someone doesn't ask, Right? There's, there's a reason. I haven't made myself 
one that's available enough and personable enough to be asked. And I, and I really want to ask you, when the last time someone really asked you for real help? Or they said, look, I need someone to go to coffee with me. I need to have a beer with someone. Can it please be you? I've, I've got to discuss this. Or I, I know this is hard, but can you please help me in this way? And, and if that's been a long time, why is that? Why is that? Just because your friends have everything they need? Is it because maybe we're not as available as we think we are? Maybe is the perception of us that we're not willing to meet need, maybe? Are our eyes closed because it has been asked and we haven't noticed? What is it for us? And it's been a very difficult two weeks for me trying to figure that out. <laughs> trying to see at work while all these, we, we, I'm, I work at a, uh, with a home builder and it's tricky sometimes because I'm a project manager there and a bunch of guys technically we work with them, but they see it as working for us, right? So it's hard. But I know they have need. I know it. I see it sometimes. But if I'm not asked to help meet it, why is that? Just being the boss isn't a good enough answer. In, in the kingdom, what is my answer to that? And unfortunately for me, it's being too focused on achieving certain things. It's too focused on my own needs of the day. It's too focused on there's a list, right? And it's not focused on noticing someone's need. It's the truth. And that is a harsh reality to notice when you're trying to talk about Acts 2 to your favorite people. But I wonder what it is for us. I wonder we don't notice, or why we're not proposed with need. And then another one that goes right along with that, that I want to talk about, is also the willingness to meet the need. They seem so willing <laughs> that when they saw it, they began selling their possessions. I'm going to read that one again, just because it's kind of crazy. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Again, that is pretty serious. <laughs> Selling possessions. Looking around, what can I sell so that I might have money, means, food, whatever, to give to someone else? What can I do? And I, I want us to notice, too, this group of people that are doing this, their attitude just before was to see a leper and ask Jesus who was to blame. That, that is this dramatic difference in the Holy Spirit, right? Right? Chapters ago, which I keep saying that, chapters ago, months ago, whatever, a year and a half ago for them, they see someone who is ill and they say, oh, this guy, Jesus, we're debating over here. Please add your wisdom. Was it this man who has sinned or was it his parents? And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? No, it's none of it. Let's just heal the guy. Move forward. What are you talking about? What? Luckily, he didn't say it like that. But that's their attitude, now they're selling everything they have to give away. The Holy Spirit has so changed them, right? And I, I fear, though, that our willingness either, for sure I feel like our willingness wanes, 
we're willing to appoint to help someone. And I think, too, the world might not perceive us as overly willing, whether it be our personal faults or the Christian subculture, whatever it may be. I don't think they perceive us that way. And I'm, I love this story. I'm not, I'm not going to read it, but it's a story where Jesus gets baptized, right? Comes out of the water. The voice of God says, this is my son whom I will please. A dove comes upon him. Possibly this Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit's been with him and now we're showing it, whichever debatable theolo- theologically. He leaves from there and he meets someone. Does anyone remember the story? He leaves from being baptized and goes and meets a leper, right? This is a big crowd of people. They think Jesus is going to start changing the world. They don't know how yet, but they believe him, so they're going with him. He sees a leper, and the leper comes up, and he asks him a question. What does he ask him? What does he tell him, actually? Does anyone know this? It's okay. He says, Jesus asked him, do you believe I can heal you? Right? The leper says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It's the idea of questioning Jesus' willingness to do something beautiful and great, right? The willingness of Jesus to change his life completely, to give him life back. And Jesus says, I am willing to be clean. The guy's leprosy is healed, and he leaves, obviously, quite joyfully. And everyone, it's a great story. I think the world asks us that constantly. Are you willing? If you are willing, you could help. If you are willing, you could provide some sort of friendship to me that I desperately need. If you are willing, you could be this person that I talk to about my mother's death. If you are willing, you can help me financially in this way. The question is our willingness. And I really do want us to think about what our limit of willingness is. So I have this, I have this friend um, who has been here before, a long time ago. His name is John Ramirez. He married Lily and I. He's an, he's an older man. And he is the person that when I ask you things like, hey, who's the most generous person you would know embodied in a person form? This is John Ramirez to me. And it's not just because like, he gives things away. He, he has. He's, there have been in times when I was um, working as a, a, a missionary and counselor with him in different parts of uh, New England and in Guam, that he would like just send money or send things, whatever. But he also is one of these guys that knows how to emotionally give to someone. Like you hang out with John Ramirez and you think like you're his only friend, right? You're like, ah, oh, I must be his favorite person. I don't know how that happened, but this is very crazy. I must be cooler than I thought if I'm John Ramirez's favorite person. He's just so good at that, so gifted at that. And so John Ramirez has all these people in his life that he has worked with that love him like I do, and more, that he is given time to, given parts of his life to, all these things, right? He, is, he has these people. And so at one point, John Ramirez, he, he's in poor health and needed a new kidney, really, he needed kidney transplant because he was extremely ill. And he had, when people started finding out, he had numerous people offer him their kidneys for real. Like, call him or call Anna, his wife, and say, Look, I know we might not have spoken in a year or whatever, but John Ramirez is, I love him. I want seriously to start going to the doctor's meetings. I want to, I want to possibly see if I can give him my kidney. <laughs> like more than 10 people called him about this. That's a lot of people offering to be in a life-threatening situation for someone to just have their body. Like 
crazy to me, right? So he goes through, they go through the process, and some of them he just weeds out. He's like, I'm not going to let you give me your kidney. No. You know, you have, you know, you just had a child, or you're also, you have this health issue. Obviously, you're not even going to make it in the runnings. Don't worry. Like, and he's starting to be overwhelmed, but he's starting to just turn everyone and He's like, no, stop. I'm not, I'm not this, I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't want anyone to give me their kidney now. I'm just, I, I don't like any of this idea, right? Because you're, you kind of, you don't have to ask, but part of it is like letting someone give you their kidney. That's hard, right? So they go through, and there's these three guys that meet like the, um, some of the health requirements, the blood type. Um, uh, they have social workers meet with them for months and months to talk through like if they're stable enough and all these things to be able to give a body part away. All these things, a big long process, more than just like, hey, can I do it? And they're like, yeah, sure, it works. Let's have your kidney. And so goes through and goes through and goes through, and there's these three guys left. And they're in a meeting, all three of them, with the doctor. And the doctors end up choosing who it is. And so they're in this meeting. It's so dramatic, but it is. It's so crazy. So they're in this meeting, and the doctor comes in, and the nurses, and they explain why so-and-so is going to get to give their kidney, or why that's the one they need. And the two other guys, one of them is kind of getting upset. He's like, well, why, could, why wouldn't it be mine? You know, this and this and this. And he starts explaining to him, and the guy weeps. He's to give John his kidney. And the other guy starts to cry. And John and the three dudes, there's these four dudes weeping because one of them is overjoyed. It gets to be his kidney given to this man that he loves so much. One of them is getting a body part from someone and he's overwhelmed by the way they love him. And the other two are so disappointed that they don't get to give their kidney to him. There's these four crying dudes in an office with the doctor and the doctor and nurses are just like, this is kind of weird, guys. The way this is working out. It's beautiful and all, but oh my. Like, and they, they turn to John at the end and they say, you must have just loved so well that they are willing to give you. <laughs> but they're like fighting about giving you their kidney. This is crazy. They're like, we've never had so many people call us offering their organs for someone. But again, his, his life led to them, people wanting to give even their life, right? And then when they didn't get to, they were just destroyed. It hurt them so bad that they couldn't love him back. They felt like what he was able to do. The willingness. And I'm not, I'm not saying, I guess, like, who are you willing to give a kidney to? I'm not trying to be dramatic in that way. But I'm saying, like, what is our limit of willing? And should there be one when Jesus, Jesus' willingness took him quite a ways. And then farther and farther to death on a cross and getting up from the dead. And it just seems like if we are living in the kingdom, if the Holy Spirit changes our life like these people, the willingness should be extravagant. Our willingness to give should have no limit, right? whether or not, and it also, it doesn't say in here, they gave to those who were worthy to receive from them, right? That's not in there. You know? It's, it's this idea that if someone had need, they met it, whatever they needed to do. And I just, I'm concerned by our willingness. I'm concerned by my willingness, by my families. <clears throat> what happens when someone's need comes in conflict with my family's 
financial security and well-being. We don't have a college fund at this point, but what if, what if we do one day and someone needs something so bad that my son's college fund needs to go to it? Is that okay? You know? Is that going to be an easy question for me? Is that going to be a complete willingness to do that? What, what, is, what is it? You know? When, when maybe Lily's parents and they're extremely healthy and they go dancing all the time in their 60s and they're healthier than me, when they need a place to be and a place to live, do they live with us? Do we sell our house to get a house that can have them live with us? Are we okay with that? Right? What if it's not them? What if it's one of you that needs to live? I mean, like, what, what are... That can go so far, right? What is our willingness? Where does it stop? And does it? And I just, I hope, you know, as we explore that, that we're honest with ourselves and sober with ourselves about it. That we don't just half honestly say, oh, I'm willing to do anything for anyone. It's not true, more than likely. But I, I just wonder about that. And then the other thing that, that comes up later, that we're going to explore later in Acts, that I think is, is pretty amazing. And they start to do it now. They start selling their possessions. But I, I'm also intrigued by how creative and wise people are about meeting need. I'm, I'm so intrigued by that as I look around to y'all even, and I look at how y'all meet need. I'm so intrigued by how creative some of you are. So a uh, quick story, too, about that. We, Lily and I... <clears throat> Where we've just had, we had this busy season where we thought we were okay, and we we're like, no, we're we're changing our rhythm, everything's going fine, and then we just had this like avalanche of just responsibility this one month, and it was just brutal. And we hadn't gone out and done anything, we hadn't seen any friends, we haven't done all this stuff, and then randomly on a Saturday morning when our house is a disaster mess, we get a knock on the door, and Kevin and Tiffany and Claire just come and bring us donuts randomly. They're like, hey, surprise donuts. And I was just like, what? What are you talking about? We don't have any donuts. You know, I was like, I don't have any donuts for you. I didn't know I was supposed to meet you for donuts. No. And he was like, no, nah, man, we, we brought you donuts. And Claire's here. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> Claire's here. We're good. And they just hung out with us and had donuts for whatever. And nearly made us cry because we just didn't know we needed donuts and friend time in the morning in our messy house that we didn't even care about because they were our friends. It was this extremely creative, in our mind, listen to the Holy Spirit, willingness to just bring donuts and surprise us randomly, and to think of it, right? That's not, I mean, it's a hard one because you have kids and all these things, but it's more just, you're in tune to me, was the, was the thing to me that was so amazing. It was like, how did, we needed this so badly. Our sons needed this so badly. This was perfect. Just because they're in tune, it probably wasn't overly dramatically hard. It might have been. <laughs> they might have had like three flats on the way to donuts and persevered. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it was beautiful to us. It meant the world to us. It was creative. It was like perfect timing. And it was a family listening to the Holy Spirit doing something in our mind that was great. Overly great. For us. It meant the world to us. Donuts right? They picked good donuts as well, but it was donuts. I think about 
the ways some of you are meeting needs in your communities and your neighborhood and with your friends and your restore groups. Just really overwhelmed by it. I think it's beautiful. And I think about how a lot of us are, are trying to be wise with the way we sacrifice for people. You know, we didn't just read When Helping Hurts, right? We read it and 30 other things and started talking about, I mean, I just, I love the way we're, some of you are attempting to be and are so wise and mature with your sacrifice, with your giving. The way you think through it and the way you leverage your family for it and the way those needs are getting met. And I want us to continue that together. I want us to be even more open with how we discuss meeting need and, and more wise and more creative with each other on how to meet needs. And, and it's so interesting that it seems to them that it became a cultural identifier for them. People start knowing them as these people. They find favor with all the people, in part because they see how everything they have and own is common. How, how they start selling land and giving the proceeds to that to each other. The, the neighborhoods around where they live begin to see that. Jerusalem starts to see that. And more and more people are amazed, and more and more people in awe, and they find favor with their entire community. And as we seek to find favor with our neighborhoods, we seek to find favor with people we work with, and people we work for, and people who work for us, a lot of that identifier is they are going to see that we are not only noticing needs around us, but we are willing and creative in how we meet them. And that nothing is our own. And that our emotions, our time is easy, not easy, is readily given away. That's better, maybe. That our finances are acknowledgingly not ours, but were given to us so that we might bless the world, that we might start using them that way. That our families, our, our energies, all of these things are readily available to give to someone else. Maybe when they see that, maybe when that starts to happen, we find favor. People say, man, there's, there's got to be something about that. I feel blessed knowing them. I need to be around them. I want to know why they do this. And as we see in this passage, this is this catalyst that begins to move the kingdom of God, begins to move this new Christianity, they don't even call it yet, but begins moving it forward in Jerusalem, and it spreads throughout the entire world. seems, it's not only just miracles are done, and that's amazing, although it is amazing, right? Pretty cool. It's not only just that they're getting persecuted, because they're not persecuted yet, necessarily. It's also their generosity, and their sacrifice, and their willingness to be people who give, and give, and give, and give, and give. And the culture needed itself to do that. So here's what I'm trying to say also, is my family needs you to be better givers. Wait, hold on. Needs you to help us be better givers. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, yeah, we better have donuts every morning this week. No, that's not at all. At least I noticed right away, and I didn't have to have someone ask me about that later. That's good. But does that make sense? My sons need to be taught to be good givers by you not just me. Although that, yes, that is my responsibility. I cannot do it well without you, is what I'm trying to say. Right? Ellen 
needs us to help her to even be a better giver. Right? That's, that's the way this works. The culture built on itself. So the giving built on itself and magnified on itself and it cycled and it just started kind of getting out of hand together in the most beautiful of way. It got out of hand. People selling all their stuff. <laughs> it's not quite ugly yet. It gets there, we see. But man, this, this beautiful thing happened because every, the community was involved and the community taught itself and were creative together gave ideas on how to give and showed each other who was willing. For instance, I, I am totally blind to school starting and people needing school supplies. We need you to tell us that. If you don't, we, we don't give to those families. My sons don't get to go shopping with Lily to pick out pencils, which kind of thinks for that, but it was, it was fine. It went great, right? So it's, it's this thing of I, I, we as a body need Holly, to have conversations with the right person that knows that, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So that we can give school supplies to kids. We need to know there are families who need very basic things as they're either entering the foster system or exiting it. We need you to tell us that. We unfortunately do not think about that enough. You do. And you can help us. And so we need each other to help with that. We need to start having those conversations more openly. We need to start having them just with more trust with each other to know that we're going to help meet them. I think part of the fear of that is to say, hey, we have this big need. Let's meet at church. And the church is like, ah, tired. We need to trust each other that that's not the way it's going to work, that we will do whatever it takes. It's going to have to be something that the Holy Spirit does in us and transforms in us and creates in us and continues to move and mature in us. And so what I want us to do is I want us to pray about that today. And I want us to pray that we would continue on that path of hoping to be people who, with our blessing, bless the world. And somehow are even known as people who are sacrificial and generous so that we can say that our God is sacrificial and overly generous. And so let's pray about that together. And then we'll, we'll have communion and, and sing in that, in that mind. God, we, we do want to be people who notice need. And God, honestly, too, we want to be mature and have the fortitude to repent that we don't notice. To repent when we are just so focused. I mean, just personally, honestly, repent of finishing a house on time so I don't notice who's laboring for it. I don't notice their needs. Forgive me. Forgive us for not even sometimes noticing the needs of people we sit by on Sunday morning. Forgive us for being people who don't get asked to help because we are not perceived as people who would. Please let us be people who notice, have eyes to see how we can be sacrificial around this. Who might benefit from our lives? Who we might bless? And God, then please make us willing. Cure our unwillingness. Cure the fact in us that we are willing to a socially acceptable point way too often. 
Give us wisdom to know what helps and what hurts. Give us wisdom to be creative. Give us wisdom to just... I mean, it's so vague, but to know when to do what. (laughs) Help us in that. Help us be creative with our giving. Help us to leverage the money that's not ours, but you've let us use for your kingdom. Help us to be creative on how we use the time you've allowed us, the, the personalities that you've given to us and built in us. Use those for the good of those around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name who gave and gave and gave and gave.